listeners are familiar with Myrtle Beach, its sights, and many attractions. But what if I told you there's another great destination just a one-hour drive away? It often gets overlooked, but it's a place that mixes elegant coastal living with a small-town flair. Right in between two of the Palmetto State's biggest attractions, Georgetown is waiting for visitors to discover its charm. Discover South Carolina presents The Palmetto Porch, a podcast featuring some of South Carolina's most charming towns and highlighting what makes them so special. I'm Devin Whitmire. All season long, I'll be traveling through the Palmetto State, interviewing locals who will share their own unique perspective on places to visit, foods to try, and insider travel tips. These towns may be small, but they are big on fun, food, and Southern hospitality. Today on the Palmetto Porch, we take you to Georgetown, South Carolina's third oldest city. It lies along the Hammock Coast, a gathering of stunning beaches stretching between Charleston's bustling streets and nightlife and Myrtle Beach's Grand Strand. There are various ways to uncover its unique history. One way that's really popular with both residents and visitors involves a trip to South Carolina Maritime Museum in downtown Georgetown. Hope McFadden, the museum's administrator, was kind enough to sit down with me and share some of Georgetown's story. Well, good morning, Hope. Welcome to the porch. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. Just to get us started, can you tell me and tell our listeners your name and what it is that you do? My name is Hope McFadden, and I am the administrator at the South Carolina Maritime Museum in Georgetown, South Carolina. Why has the area become so popular with transplants? And then maybe even to further that question, why did you choose to live in Georgetown? Georgetown, I say it is this haven in between these two sort of major cities in South Carolina, Myrtle Beach and Charleston. It's right smack dab in the middle. So it's close to either one. You can get your fix, go up north an hour, go down south an hour, and you have more opportunity to do those maybe tourist-like things. But Georgetown is still a small town. And again, it's that community feel. It's everyone kind of knows everyone. It's just a small town haven by the water. So Let's kind of go back to square one then. What is the Maritime Museum? I love this story too, because it actually started as a boat show, a wooden boat show. There was a former festival in Georgetown and a small portion of it had boat exhibits. And there was that festival like disbanded. And there was a group of business owners in downtown Georgetown. And at that point, downtown was kind of struggling. And they were like, we want to bring business and interest in something to downtown. That's right. Not too long ago, downtown Georgetown wasn't prospering. For those of us hailing from small towns, this is a familiar story. Luckily, there were residents who wanted to bring the district back to its glory days. And they were passionate about the history of Georgetown because, again, Georgetown's the third oldest town in South Carolina, so it's chock full of history. And so they they started this wooden boat show, and that was, I think, in 1993, 
which is how old? That was when I was born. So it's been going on as, as long as I've been alive. And some of the people that started it are still around and still involved, heavily involved. And so after years of that growing into a success, they were like, let's open a museum. And it started off in the back room with a couple of models, boat models, in the back of the Chamber of Commerce. And then in 2011, they purchased the bottom floor of the building we're currently in. And then by 2017, got a USDA rural development loan to purchase upstairs, remodeled. We opened that by the end of 2017. And we've just continued to grow. We celebrated the 33rd annual Georgetown Wind Boat Show this year in October. Tough times would revisit Georgetown. In 2013, a massive fire destroyed multiple residences and businesses near the Maritime Museum. But according to Hope, the people of Georgetown are resilient. They were able to still have their boat show just a month after the blaze. And we had our boat show in October that year. And they were like, that was the biggest boat show that we had ever had at that point. So again, it's like after a storm. It's one of those things that I always find really beautiful that the day after a storm, first thing in the morning, you hear chainsaws going. People are out there. If one person's home was fine, then they're helping their neighbor who had a down tree. So again, my favorite word, community. That's what I love about a small town. It's everyone coming together and supporting each other in the hard times. The museum sets about building that sense of community through various programs with a focus on the younger generation. One of our big things that we do is we have a youth sailing program in the summer. So that's a great way or an outlet for us to to reach out to local kids. So we have locals come. We have kids that are visiting their grandparents for the summer. We have a scholarship program. So we partner with other organizations and nonprofits to get some of the local kids that are maybe underprivileged or don't have the opportunity to be on the water, give them that chance. And I'm not a sailor. Again, like, why do I work at a maritime museum? (laughs) (laughs) But it's so much fun to watch these kids on the water. So I highly suggest if you're in the Georgetown area in the summer to like come downtown, walk the Harbor Walk and watch some of these kids on the water. Because Monday, Tuesday, they're screaming their heads off. And by Friday, they're like, yeah, we know what we're doing. We're good with this. We're going around the world tomorrow. (laughs) That sounds so impressive. What does that even look like, giving a child a sailboat? Yeah, I mean, it sounds sort of crazy, but we have these boats. They're called Optimus Prams, and they were literally built for children to learn how to sail in. So it's like a one-person, one-sail little, they call it a floating bathtub. But it's actually, if you watch videos, like this is super competitive for a lot of kids. It's the real deal, but it's so much fun. And and I also love it when parents are like, so are they going to be in the boats together? And we're like, no, your kid's going to be in a boat by themselves. <laughs> what a strong way to like, I don't know. I don't even know how to say that. Like independence, giving them a hobby, getting them outside. Absolutely. And away from, you know, the phones. I think that's one of the things that the parents are like, oh, they're not on their phones all day. And yeah, and sailing is a, I've learned, it is a very independent kind of sport. It's one of those when they actually do their races at regattas, they If they make a mistake, they're the ones that have to own up to it because you can't have eyes 
everywhere. So it is a very independent sport, um, very confidence building. And it's, again, one of those like one with nature and, and learning how to find where the wind's coming from and use it to their advantage. So circling back to the museum itself, describe what a visitor will see at the museum maybe when they first walk inside. Sure. Well, we have, as I said, I started as a volunteer and we have some incredibly wonderful volunteers. And it bothers me when they're like, we're just a volunteer. I'm like, no such thing as just a volunteer. <laughs> that is how we are the success we are because of our volunteers. So one of the first thing you'll you'll see is one of our volunteers welcoming you. I'll say probably my favorite exhibit is the Fresnel Lens. It was original to the Georgetown Lighthouse. We have it on long-term loan from the U.S. Coast Guard, a shining beacon in our facility. We have our permanent exhibits, the Harvest Moon, which was a Union ship that was sank out in Winyaw Bay that you can still see the smokestack at low tide to this day. We have the Planner, which is an incredible story about Robert Smalls, who was a slave and pretty much commandeered the Planner. He he had worked on it. He knew how to how to pilot it, and he took it out of Charleston waters and surrendered to the union and ended up becoming a South Carolina representative. So really wonderful story. And then upstairs is kind of where we do our revolving exhibits. We have a lot on shipwrecks off South Carolina's coast, some really great artifacts. We currently did something on the battleship USS South Carolina. And the Maritime Museum finds itself in some pretty good company, like other museums and even something sweet to enjoy. Can I also mention that for such a small town, we have five museums within walking distance to each other. Yeah. Can you name all of them? I can, yeah. So it's the South Carolina Maritime Museum, where I work, the Rice Museum, the Georgetown County Museum, the Kaminsky House Museum, and the Gullah Museum. That's awesome. And they're all within walking distance. Yes. And we have some really great restaurants and shops along the way. One of the things that, that I love to tell people, I'm like, if like the history and the historic homes and the museums and the restaurants don't sell you on Georgetown. We have three ice cream shops and it's within three blocks and they're all on the same side of the road on the water side. So if you park your car over here, you can hit an ice cream shop in each block and not even have to cross the road. <laughs> That's great. Oh my gosh. Who doesn't need ice cream in their life? Let's go. <laughs> so there's lots of activities for both young and old, but there was something I'd heard about before I sat down with Hope. Something called the burning of the socks. Can you please, for the listeners, explain what is the burning of the socks? So it was a tradition that started, I believe, in Annapolis, and apparently the guy who started it actually lives in Polly's Island, which is like 15 minutes north of Georgetown, and he was working on his boat all winter long, and just socks are filthy. And so really, I think in any sort of maritime tradition, any excuse to drink, <laughs> it always seems to come back to, you know, how to... How do you just crack open a <laughs> bottle of beer? But he just took off his socks, started a fire, threw them in, 
the the next year, a couple of friends joined in and suddenly it's a coastal tradition. So one of the things we actually had discussed for a couple of years that we started last year was, again, we don't want you to burn like brand new socks, like bring your holy ones, burn those. But last year, we actually asked people to bring a new pair of socks to donate to another nonprofit organization to help. Because if you read or see anywhere, socks are one of the most requested items in like a homeless shelter. Gosh, I can't remember. I think we had like 400 pair of socks that were donated that we were able to give to a local nonprofit. So that was kind of a fun take on, you know, burn your sock, bring a pair. What would you like visitors to take away from their time at the Maritime Museum? I guess just learn something and enjoy your experience. Again, I just love Georgetown. I've fallen in love with it. It's home now. So there's so much to love about it. And, you know, it's hard for me to just, you know, praise the museum, although I absolutely encourage people to come in, of course, because I do believe there's something in there for everyone. And we're in the heart center of downtown. And I am proud to say I feel like you know, because of things like the boat show, which started as a way to bring people downtown, and then it created the museum. And I feel like we are a huge draw to Georgetown. We're, I don't want to be braggy, but I think we're a great asset to the community. And still, all the boat show is our biggest fundraiser. It's also one of the most successful weekends for all the restaurants and shops downtown as well. So I love this idea that, you know, it started really as a way to boost up downtown Georgetown and continues to be that for more than just ourselves. The Maritime Museum sounds like loads of fun with its proximity to everything downtown Georgetown has to offer. And younger visitors will have plenty to keep them engaged. Meanwhile, In Georgetown's historic district, our next guest serves up his own brand of Southern hospitality at the 620 Prince, a gorgeous bed and breakfast. Rob Henry is the owner and general manager of the property, and he and I had a chat about what makes Georgetown a hidden gem. I never really was the big city kind of a person kind of guy. I really, as my wife calls it, Mayberry. <laughs> it, Georgetown kind of has that Mayberry feel. And I, I was always drawn to that. You know, I didn't want to be a little fish in a big pond kind of a place. And Georgetown is like, you know, everybody that lives here, you say hello to everybody. Everybody waves to each other. Everyone is friendly. And we meet a lot of neat people that come through. And it's easy to feel that way around the 620 Prince. The surrounding streets are lined with tall trees, and other houses share some of the same classic timeless architectural notes. I wanted to know more about the property before it assumed its modern identity. Can you tell us what about 620 Prince first lured you in? What was the interior like before the renovation? The house was in relatively good shape when I bought it. All the floors had been redone. We have the original floors from the house when it was built in 1882, which is kind of awesome. You know, you don't really find that. A lot of times it's been changed or swapped out or updated to tile or something like that. But it's the original wood floors in every room, which is awesome. We did a good bit of work to the house to get it into the shape we wanted it to be to have guests come and stay. 
predominantly bathrooms. We wanted to update the bathrooms and give everybody their own ensuite bathroom. So you don't have to shimmy down the hall on a bathrobe on a cold November morning. It's right there in your room, which is great. What was the most important thing you wanted to preserve from the building's former state? Was it the original architecture or the grounds or something else more specific, maybe? I think I went into it more of the mind frame of wanting to provide a comfortable place for people to come and stay, but at the same time, preserving what it still has the original floors, right? We said that I wanted to preserve that. I didn't want to change that so that people who are coming now and staying with me in 2022 are still walking on the same floors that were there in 1882. So 140 years later, people are still coming in and enjoying it almost the way it was, but just updated and light and fresh and clean. And I think that we kind of nailed it in that sense, that it holds up really well to that. And it's one of the compliments I get is that, hey, man, this is a really quiet house. Most people come into a B&B with this like... I'm going to be in there and kind of end their business and they're going to be in the middle of everything and it's going to be loud. You can hear all this stuff going on in the house, but it isn't like that. It's very much like a boutique hotel experience. Absolutely. So you mentioned the homes. There are so many historically significant places in Georgetown. Can you describe for our listeners what they might see on a bike ride or on a walk around the neighborhood around 620 Prince? Sure. Yeah, it's interesting. So I just took a walking tour the other day that I've been meaning to do for years. And when you're walking on the tour or on a bike, just riding around, not much has really changed in the last three, 400 years in Georgetown. Some things have changed buildings and, you know, what occupies those buildings. But these homes that are here that were built before the Revolutionary War are still the same homes that are there. And some are even painted the same way that they were 350 years ago. So it's kind of neat to be able to walk and it's easy to see what you're learning about and hearing and seeing doing it the same way it was back the way it was in. Georgetown has a laid back, slow down kind of vibe, but visitors won't want to slow down too much. They might miss some good eats. Visitors who come to 620 Prince, they rave about the food, both at the inn and just in the surrounding area. What are some of your favorite dishes that a visitor would eat in Georgetown? There's so much. Going back to our proximity to the ocean and the the water, the seafood here, obviously an abundance of seafood. You can't go bad or go wrong, I should say, having some flounder, some type of fish. We have lots of low country cuisine, Gullah cuisine, chicken bog, and a lot of foods that are still made the way they were hundreds of years ago. We still get to reap the benefits and have now, of course, shrimp and grits, which you get all over the low country and kind of, you know, all over the world now, but something that can't be missed. But there's higher end dining, you know, there's everything to offer here. So how does that come together in the area's restaurants? Are there mixed menus, one that makes the different tastes? Yeah, you get a little bit of everything. You know, we're probably heavier on the low country cuisine, things like barbecue, perlo, seafood, all of that. But there are a few. We actually just had a Mexican restaurant open recently, and they've kind of blended that low country cuisine with Hispanic cuisine, which is really kind of neat to see that fusion. That sounds amazing. And you got to have barbecue. Got to. Rob says there's a lot of growth coming to the area, and that means there's going to be a need for more places for visitors to stay. There's already at least one hotel under construction. 
And we're really looking forward to them being around the corner from us and having another place to offer for people coming to Georgetown because there are more people coming and seeing our city and seeing, you know, the surrounding areas. And we need a place for them to stay. I've only got six rooms, so I can only accommodate so many people. But there's a lot of potential for growth and for more families to move here and businesses to open and restaurants to open, shops, tours, everything. You know, we can always stand to do more and for people to come and enjoy what we already have now. Yeah, that's interesting. So there are more visitors coming to the area. Why is that? Why do you think you're getting more visitors in Georgetown? What are they coming for? I think going back to what I said before, a place where you can kind of just unplug and recharge. You're not coming to a big city. You're not going to go see a Broadway show, but man, you can get in a boat and go hunt shells or go sit in a blind and go hunt ducks or go fishing. You can't do that everywhere in the country. And even if you can, sometimes you don't make the time for it. You get that in Georgetown and that's what we provide. I can speak for Georgetown And, you know, everything that we've said so far, all I can do is encourage people to keep coming and see what we have to offer. To see and to learn and experience is just so unique. It's unique to this area. You can't find it anywhere else. Learning about Georgetown, its many challenges over the years, and its revival, I really get a sense of what it means to appreciate small town life. It may not be for everyone, but it's nice to know that an escape like this exists and is closer than one would think. With its combination of tradition, community, and relaxed atmosphere, Georgetown truly is inspiring and a noteworthy addition to anyone's travel plans. Well, that's it, y'all, for this episode of The Palmetto Porch. Thank you so much to our guests, Hope McFadden and Rob Henry. If you like what you heard, please share it with a friend or leave a review on your platform of choice. It really helps us to get the word out about our show. And to find out more about Georgetown or any of the other towns featured on the Palmetto Porch, visit scpalmettoporch.com. The Palmetto Porch is produced by Discover South Carolina in partnership with Pod People. Special thanks to our production team at Pod People, Ashton Carter, Michael Aquino, and Kim Wong. Thanks so much for joining us, y'all. We'll see you next time on the Palmetto Porch.